Hey, hey, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary. Each week, I sit down with abundant thinkers who are kicking ass in life. And we deconstruct the formulas they have used to have success in business and in life to help you unpack your life, your business, so you can do the same. So put a smile on, grab a pen and a paper, get ready to take a ton of notes because you, my friend, are about to go on a wild ride. Here we go. Hey, hey, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary, and this is episode 133. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Josh Parks. Josh is a former college football player. He spent part of his career as running back at the University of Minnesota. Then he finished career at St. Thomas, also in the Twin Cities. Today, he's the founder of Ghost Fit Apparel. And I wanted to have Josh on for several reasons. One, to talk about his football career, his journey from being the small town hero uh, in the small town of Chisago Lakes, Minnesota, to what it's like when you get to Minnesota, the University of, you're a golden gopher, and all of a sudden you realize every athlete on this team was a hometown hero like me. It's a tough transition for kids, so if you're a parent listening in, this is definitely a good, good episode you want to listen to. But even more important, we talk about this new landscape in college sports. In fact, we could argue it has changed forever with this NIL name, image, and likeness. What is it? How is it going to impact the college sports landscape? And Josh talks about his company, Ghost Fit Apparel, which is an apparel brand, how they're going to be working with college athletes now that these kids can profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So it is a really interesting episode. Uh, definitely a hot topic today. Like I said, in the last few months, the college football landscape or college sports landscape has changed forever. So it's going to be really interesting. Josh weighs in on his thoughts as uh, an owner of a brand apparel company. And so, again, you're a parent, you're a young athlete. You definitely want to list this because he's got some great thoughts about those young athletes out there today and what they need to be uh, focused on mentally and physically. And, again, what to look for if you've got a young athlete who's getting recruited and uh, – how this NIL, its name, image, and likeness thing could really influence where you go. So make sure you watch this, uh, watch and download this. This is going to be a great episode. All right, here we go. Shift your mindset. All right, welcome back to the bullpen sessions, Josh Parks. Welcome to this week's episode. How are you, man? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, Andy. Yeah, well, let's level set. I'm excited to have you on because um, we're going to talk about your football career. Um, you had a very successful uh, football career up in the state of Minnesota, where you still live. But uh, we're also going to talk about a lot of the things that are going on in college sports these days that, let's face it, um, you and I were talking offline. It, it probably changed college sports forever. And so let's start, you know, for the audience who's listening in going, OK, who the heck is this Josh Parks guy? Where are you from? Yeah, like you said, so my name is Josh Parks. I'm from Chisago Lakes, Minnesota, um, small town here, about 45 minutes north of the Twin Cities. Um, played high school football at Chisago Lakes, uh, went on to play college football at two different places. Uh, I know that we'll dive into it a little bit deeper, but uh, I was at the University of Minnesota playing for the Gophers. Uh, and then I ended up transferring to St. Thomas, finished my career there. Um, my junior year at St. Thomas, I started Ghost Fit Apparel, which I'm continuing. I'm still continuing to do at the moment. So it's been four years. Um, been a lot of ups and downs. You know, when I first started the business, I had no idea what I was doing. So I kind of got thrown into the fire. But um, you know, for me, that's the best way to learn. So uh, it's been really good. So your entrepreneurial journey started when you were about what 20, 21 years old. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was. I was twenty years old. Twenty years old when I started. Uh, just turned twenty-five now. So, uh, like I said, it's been a little bit over four years now, but uh, it's been good. So let's let's go back. You know, growing up in Chisago Lakes, 
When did you realize that, man, I, I, I think I've got a talent for this, this thing called football, this game called football. When did that really hit for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I would probably say my eighth grade going into ninth grade. Um, so, you know, growing up in a small town, um, there wasn't a ton of uh, big names that came from our high school. Um, not a very diverse high school either. Um, and so when I got into ninth grade, I had the opportunity to play varsity. And uh, I, I think one of the one of the main running backs got injured. They pulled me up. Um, and ever since then, you know, I was kind of, you know, the guy on the team. Right. Um, you know, I had to become a leader at a young age. Um, but with that, you know, you kind of get a lot of you know recognition. Um, people start knowing your name. You know, fans start making more signs for you. Um, so so for me, it was, you know, an opportunity where I was able to play young um, and I was able to play pretty well as uh, as well. Right. We, we had a uh, I played running back in high school um, and our offense was positioned around the running back position. Um, so, you know, I was able to get the you know ball a lot, you know, get a lot of carries, um, you know, and it, and it was a good, uh, good fit for me. That's um, when I think about I was reading a journey, you know, about your story, your career at Chisago. Um, you know, you talk about the small town. I, I grew up in the same same way. I grew up in a, a town of about 10,000 people. Um, you know, and when I got to college, we often referred to that as the small town heroes. Right. Um, oh, okay. talk, about, talk about you say you said something. If, if somebody if you read the about section you have on Ghost Fit Apparel, one thing I love is you talk about. There hit a point in your high school career, I want you to talk about this, where you knew you were good. You had probably had a lot of people telling you you were good. But unfortunately, that allowed your mindset to shift away from the work you're putting into seeking the compliments. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, um, you're 100% right. Um, the, the, the greatest athletes, right? You look at Jordan, you look at LeBron, you look at Kobe, right? Obviously those are all basketball players and I was a football player, but it still kind of goes hand in hand. They are never content, right? They're continuing to get better and better. You know, LeBron, he's played what, 18 years. You look at Brady, right? Same, same sort of thing. For me, like I said, you know, I, I had to work my ass off, you know, freshman year, sophomore year. Um, but junior and senior year, I mean, I, I, I knew kind of the role that I was going to play. Um, I worked, I, I still worked hard during the off season and during the seasons, but the mentality was, Hey, let's get in. Let's, you know, get a couple touchdowns. You know, you got the after parties, you know, people telling you, man, good job, this and that. And that's where the focus goes to, right? I didn't have to work hard to keep my position because I knew what role I was going to play. I knew that I was going to be the guy. I knew that I was going to get the ball. And so instead of focusing on those things that I want to control, I focused on um, the things that people would say to me, the compliments, the, um, you know, the sort of attributes that, um, you know, you get from kind of being that guy in high school, right? You know, I, I was treated a little bit differently. Um, I, I got more leniency from teachers and, and those sorts of things. And, right, you kind of build this ego. And, um, you know, when you build this ego, it's, it's, it's a fake replica of, what you are right because it's just a perception and um you know i wasn't used to that like i said i was playing in ninth grade varsity and um you know i grew up quick and i got used to it and i you know kind of fell in love with that feeling that euphoric feeling uh not knowing that you know it, it, it's your 15 minutes of fame and you know once you take your mind off of 
working hard and working towards, you know, th those goals that are important. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's a fake facade, really. Mm -hmm. um, and it was something that was fun for a while. But, you know, when I got to college, <laughs> it, it, it really stuck to me. And, um, you know, it, it made me learn quick that, you know, those things that, um, you know, those compliments that people give you, um, you know, once you're not no longer playing, once you aren't as good as people think you are, they go away. <laughs> well, and I think um, what you're talking about, you're, you're so easily influenced, influenced when you're 17, 18 years old, especially by the compliments, right? People saying nice things about you. Talk quickly, if you don't mind, because there's another area that I think high school football players today deal with that, you know, I know 20, 25 years ago when I was in high school, we didn't have to deal with that all. And that's these recruiting services, these rankings, you know, you've got the two, four, seven sports, four star, five star. I'm sure you were a part of that. What was that like as a, a football player and being recruited by division one schools to have to also deal with the constant seeing literally on the websites, your, your recruiting status and how you fared against others? Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. Um, you know, that was sort of like the same time that social media started getting big, right? It was, you know, right after 2010, 2010, 11, 12, right? It, it kind of all started blowing up because, you know, there, there was a lot of, um, like you said, the eyes around it. Um, but yeah, so going into my sophomore year, I started, be, I started getting recruited by the University of Minnesota. And right when that happened, um, I started getting emails from, you know, these, these scouts, you know, hey, come to our camps. You know, we want to rank you. You know, there, there's a big um, Nike Spark camp in Chicago. You know, if you do well there, you're going to, you know, be a four-star recruit, right? Um, and it, it kind of goes back to the same the same stance, right? People care about these numbers, these stars, these, you know, I'm, a, you know, 96, right, out of 100. And, um, you know, it, it's a lot of propaganda. It's a lot of... Um, you know, I, I I I think what it is is that, like you said, you get influenced easily, and you put a lot of money into this. But at the end of the day, none of that really matters, right? You look at, sure, there's five star recruits that go to the NFL, but there's a lot of zero star recruits. There's a lot of one and two star recruits. Um, but as a high school kid, as a 16, 17 year old kid, that's what you think is important, right? And especially right when it came out, there wasn't a lot of people that weren't on that side. Right. Because that was a new up and coming thing. Right. That was um, the new social media of high school football and everyone wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think equally for all the zero stars that make it, there's a lot of five stars that go to college and are complete bus. And um, so talk about this. OK, so you had a very storied high school career at Chisago Lakes. Now you get to Minnesota, University of Minnesota, you're a golden gopher. And I think you kind of had that moment of, oh, shit, um, th these guys are all good. Talk about that meant what that what that was like mentally, because I think we all went through it. I played Division One baseball. You get there and you realize, hey, now I'm on a team of studs. I'm no longer the hometown hero. What was that like for you? Yeah, you know, I remember um, Coach Kill. That was the coach my freshman year. He was the coach at the University of Minnesota. And on my official recruit, I remember we were walking around the facility, you know, seeing a lot of these guys. And he told me this, but I didn't really understand it right away. But he said, everyone that you see playing here is the best player on their high school team, right? And, you know, for me, that was like, okay, of course, right? You know, I was used to that. But you get there and that ego, right, it hasn't been suppressed yet because you're still used to it. And, it, and it's even exaggerated more because now you made it Division One, right? Now everyone's DMing you. They're sending you texts, you know, good job, can't wait to see you play. And then you get there and you realize – 
man, everyone is the best, right? And like I said in high school, junior, senior year, I didn't have to work as hard as I had to to make the you know starting team. But there, if you didn't work as hard as you could, you had no chance. If you worked as hard as you could, you still had a small chance of making it, right? Um, and that was something that I had to learn quickly. And right, mentally putting yourself in that position where, um, you know, in high school, you were the top dog and then getting pushed all the way to the bottom is difficult, right? Um, most of these guys for their entire life, they were the best in their area, in their school. Um, so it takes a lot of self-awareness it takes a lot of dedication understanding and like believing in yourself having that confidence that you know i may not play my first or second year but when i ha have that opportunity i'm going to make the most of it um like for me i came from a small school i didn't have to deal with that and that was definitely my biggest struggle in college um understanding that you know it's going to take time you have to be patient but you have to work extremely hard as well I love what you said. Two things that I want to pull out of there for everybody listening is self-awareness and patience. You know, I think of as much as people want to criticize Alabama football for its dynasty. When you look at like the running back position, because that was the other thing, Josh, you're, you were at a very, very highlight, a very highlighted skill position running back. But look at like Alabama. They get five-star running backs every year, but they know going there, they're probably not going to play for two years because there's another five-star ahead of them but they're patient and then their day comes and it's like they are now pumping out these running backs into the NFL year after year after year. So that patience, too many kids today go into college and if they don't play right away, they're gone. They transfer. And when the reality is, wait, wait, you're just not ready yet to play. They don't have that patience. They want that instant gratification. I'm going to keep transferring till I get to play. And I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. Now, just like my pro baseball career, your career at Minnesota wasn't what it was all, what what probably you had hoped it to be. Talk about where your your experience at Minnesota, more based on mindset, really led to you not enjoying football maybe like you used to. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I think it goes back to high school, to the recognition that you get, um, and more importantly, the inability of me able to be able to handle that, right? I hadn't gone through that adversity in my life at that point. Um, and so to have these people cheering for you one day and then hearing crickets, you know, the next year, the next day, the next second, that was difficult for me. And it made me internalize, you know, what was I doing? You know, why am I playing football? What this isn't fun for me, right? Because what I should have been focused on in high school was working hard, doing the things that I can control. And that should have been the fun part. The grind should have been the fun part. But for me, it was a celebration. And I was no longer getting that celebration, right? Because no one knew who I was. I was at the bottom of the totem pole again. Um, and yeah, so having to deal with that, um, having to be on scout team, having to watch from other players and not myself because I wasn't playing, it started playing a toll on me. And I said, why am I here, right? I was second guessing myself. I was doubting myself. Um, and it led to me, right. Giving the, this false hope to people, especially family and friends. Right. I remember going in and I was like, you know, hopefully I redshirt my first year and then I started playing special teams and, you know, you know, get on the field my second year. And that wasn't going to happen. That was just the reality of it. I was, I wasn't ready for it at that time. Um, and so I ended up quitting football, um, after nine months of being at the university of Minnesota and started getting anxiety and depression because 
that's who I was, right? Football was who I was. It will, I was able to represent myself through this sport that I was playing for so long and now I detached myself from it. And I remember thinking like, who the hell am I, right? Like I, I had no other way of characterizing who I was because, you know, all the, um, all the good words, all the um, joy that I got was through this sport. And now I no, no longer had it. And I didn't have any other hobbies, right? When you play division one football, that's what you do. You play football, right? Of course, you have academics as well. But to be honest, you know, sometimes that comes second. Um, and for me, I went to college to play football. That's That was the reality of it. And I was no longer doing that. So it was a rea- reality check for me. I had to kind of figure out who I was, what I was doing, and um, what my values were outside of the sport. Well, I love that you said that because that's at the heart of why I have this podcast, Josh, is for so many, that sport defines who they are. So it's so hard to go on to chapter two of their their life. And I think the message I've been trying to pump is you are not, your sport doesn't define you. And that's why I'm excited to have you on. So we're going to talk about chapter two of your life, which has been pretty cool. But let's not move forward without talking about there was a happy ending to the football career because you decided to transfer. You went to St. Thomas. Uh, which ironically, St. Thomas is going through a transition of its own from Division Three to Division One, which is a huge jump. But you ended up having a pretty successful career at the end of your at the end of your college career with St. Thomas. What allowed you to get fall back in love with football? Yeah, so um, at the time, my my freshman year, my roommate was Jacques Perro, who he was um, backup quarterback for the uh, for the Minnesota Gophers. He ended up transferring to St. Thomas. Um, at that time, that was my sophomore year when he had transferred. Um, I was a manager at Pizza Hut, <laughs> and he's like, "Josh, I think you got to play football again." And I was like, "Man, I, I don't want to play. You know, I already gave it up." He's like, "All right, just come on to a visit. You know, speak with the coach. You know, I think that you'll really like it here." Right? It was two minutes from, excuse me, two miles from the University of Minnesota, so it wasn't far away. Um, end up going to meet Coach Crusoe, who. Great guy, really, really have a lot of respect for that guy. And sat down, had a conversation. Um, and I'd say we talked for an hour and a half, and 30 minutes was about football. The other half, the other hour was about academics, my family, myself, why I quit football. Just he really wanted to get to know me as a person. And to me, that's what I needed, right? I needed a mentor in my life. I needed a group of people that understood who I was and what I was going through. Um and that's what I found with him, right? And uh, ended up recruited. Uh, excuse me. Ended up committing that day. Um, and what I told myself is, I'm going to focus on football, right? I'm it's gonna. I'm gonna make it a priority to focus on football. But more importantly, focus on the things that matter. Focus about practicing. Focus on work ethic. Focus on being the best leader that I can. Uh, because I knew that's what I needed in life, right? Because football, like many other sports those lessons that you learn are life lessons, right? Um, So I ended up moving home and I was commuting to school. I didn't want any distractions. I wanted to focus on being a well-rounded individual. And I knew that football could help me with that. So that's what I did. I drove 45 minutes from Chisago to St. Thomas every single day. Um, And by the end of my career, I, you know, got a lot of accolades, but those things weren't what I was proud of. I gained so much mental clarity and understanding of who I was and what was important. 
And when I started my business, those same values are what I took into you know the real world. And because of that, that's why we're successful as a company. Well, let's go there because it was at St. Thomas, I believe, that you also started what you have today, Ghost Fit Apparel. Yeah. Um, so let's just start right right with the basics. What is Ghost Fit Apparel? Yeah. So Ghost Fit Apparel, um, it's a fitness apparel company. Uh, we started out as an e-commerce company and we slowly developed into a business to business company as well. So we work with brands uh, like 3M, um, Anytime Fitness, Lifetime Fitness. We work with about 30 um, gyms, yoga studios, um, CrossFit studios in Minnesota area, and then about another 20 um, Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, New York. Um, so we kind of have two, two, two sides of the business, uh, but it's it's built around creating um, comfortable apparel for businesses and uh, individuals. That's awesome. So where I want to take this conversation, this is really one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on is um, it was just a few months ago, college sports changed forever. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who still need to be brought up to speed. This whole NIL name, image, and likeness where athletes now are, are able to be financially rewarded for their name, image, and likeness. And, and for a long time, right, there, there was that whole argument that these schools, these colleges are, are financially benefiting from the athletes' names and likenesses with apparel in their bookstores, apparels, where, you know, whatever they're selling off of the backs of the names of these athletes. For the people listening, they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Andy. What is, talk about name, image, and likeness and this, this new phenomenon in the college sports arena. Yeah, no, you, you, you know, hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, these colleges, the NCAA has, um, you know, they've been making a lot of money off these players, off these athletes. They've been able to monetize them um, and the schools and the NCAA were able to profit off of them. But the individual players weren't able to. Now, for instance, um, you know, if I have a logo and I'm a college football player, um, I can monetize that. Right. If someone buys my jersey, I can now make money off of that. Um, I can now do deals, right? Brand deals with businesses, right? So it opened up the entire system for an equal playing field, right? Um, if I'm a extremely high level athlete and, you know, I'm a Joe Burrow and I'm winning championships and I'm winning Heisman's, I couldn't make any money off of that. Now the game has kind of flipped, right? And it's interesting, right? So we work with um, professional athletes. We work with Instagram influencers and a lot of how that is um, organized is one, you have an agent um, and two, it kind of goes off of your um, influence on social media, right? So if I'm going to pay you, Andy, um, to wear some of our apparel and you have 100,000 followers, I'm going to speak with your agent. We're going to have a contract and I'm going to pay you X amount of money for each post. The thing that's difficult with the new NIL is that a lot of these college kids, they don't have agents, right? Yeah. So the market is so skewed right now. They're, 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 there's no really balancing point. There's no market value for each individual. Um, so instead of working with agents, you're working directly with the players. And not that it's good or bad, but some are going to be undervalued, some are going to be overvalued. And it's up to the company to um, kind of, you know, decide what is going to be best, right? You have, I think it's the quarterback for Ohio State, is it, that hasn't, or no, for Alabama that hasn't played one game yet and he already signed, you know, million dollar deal. 
it's like he's taking a huge risk, right? The, the, the company is. Um, but at the same time, it's good for the player. Uh, it's, it also led Nick Saban to, to probably have what will go down as one of the greatest recruiting statements in the history of college football. You come to our <laughs> school, you're going to make a million dollars right now. That's what that. you get by coming to Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but like you said, you know, when you, when you first brought up this segment is it's going to change the way that college sport yep. is looked at. Well, and I want to ask you two opinions. So these are your opinions and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Number yep. one, how do you see this changing for better or for worse college recruiting? Um, the way schools compete, I guess, with each other for college recruiting to go after the top recruits. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the rich get the richer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, before, like you said, Alabama's, you know, pitch, Nick Saban's pitches, you're going to come here and you're going to win a championship. Right. But, you know, you might go to Alabama, you might go to LSU, you might write somewhere in the SEC. Um, you know, you're still going to be able to compete. You're going to play good competition um, from an NFL um, scouting perspective. You know, if, if you play anywhere in the SEC, you have a good chance of possibly making it to the pros. But now you're not going to go to the bottom half of the SEC if because, you know, even if you don't make it to the pros, but you're still a good athlete. Now, when you're with Alabama, you're going to make money regardless. Um, so I, I think that that gap between the best and the worst, it's just going to get wider now. I couldn't agree um, more. I, I think you, you look at society, right? That that's the same way. Um, you know, the rich get richer and you know, that, 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 that gap continues to build. Um, but I don't think that that's a horrible thing because I think that athletes deserve it as well. Right. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword where the rich do get richer, but the athletes now get compromised. Um, how they should right um so so it's so it's gonna be very interesting to see how it plays out over the next few years well and it was interesting to see how it brought back memories of holy crap how much would have johnny manzel made in college if the nil existed as well as uh terrell Pryor, the whole scandal at ohio state i think they may even had to vacate a championship i can't remember where some of these guys sold some of their jerseys and stuff made money off of it and then got suspended. And, and obviously they got, had to vacate some of the wins. Um, here's my other question for you that I'd love to know your thoughts on, because you're probably closer to that age demographic than I am knowing that these kids now can earn money for their name and their image. They don't have agents. How do you keep a 20 year old football player focused on football when they're now being paid in case of the uh, Bryce young, the Alabama quarterback, a million dollars. How do you, in your thought, I mean, can you keep a kid like that focused on football? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like parenting, right? I'm not a parent, um, but you, you, you give your kids, right. A value system, right. You, you, you teach them and hopefully, you know, when they're in the position to, um, you know, when they're in a position to make a decision, um, they are able to have enough understanding um, to make the correct one. So for instance, I know that we talked about this um, off air, but my freshman year at the University of Minnesota, uh, we had classes designed just for athletes on how to manage social media, how to talk to media, what and what not to do, partying, right? All those sorts of um, elephant in the room type of scenarios and situations. And I think it's gonna be times 10 with this, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can't tell the athletes what to do and what not to do with their money, but I think that you can inform them and give them guidance and um, allow them sort of like a safe space where it's like, hey, 
we know that you're making a lot of money, but understand that this is sort of like the repercussions and the negative side of if you don't handle it correctly. Um, but and I also think the, the comp is not just going to be the, on the school; it's going to be on the company as well. Because now these companies are working with these players; these companies are going to expect um, a certain behavior from these players as well, right? So you do something wrong, uh, you don't have good grades, this or that. I think the companies as well are going to be saying, hey, we can't work with you if you aren't going to abide by these certain rules, right? Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to kind of get it from two different angles. But at, you're 20 years old with a million bucks. That's going to be difficult. It, it really is. Well, and to your point, now we live in a, ca a culture uh, cancel culture today where all it takes is one wrong photo and your career can be altered forever. And so that target on the backs of some of these guys, I think to your point, just got a heck of a lot bigger. Um, now let's spin it back to ghost fit apparel with what you're able to share. How do you foresee ghost fit starting to interact with some of these college players with this name image and likeness? Yeah. Um, so uh, this is going to be a difficult transition for us and the reason why i say it's going to be difficult is as a company whenever you work with a player individual com uh, a, a, another company you have to make sure that your values align it's, it's very easy to work with someone because they're flashy and you know they're in the media and there's a lot of recognition around them um, but if their values don't fit yours um, it can be very very detrimental for your company because they become part of your brand um, but what has happened so far is, you know, we, like I said, we, we work with about 20 athletes in the NFL currently, um, KJ Hamler for one. Um, and so we had about, so KJ played at Penn state and we had about 15 guys from Penn state reach out to us. So there are opportunities where, you know, there's athletes that, you know, we see that, you know, reach out to us and say, Hey, you know, let's, you know, let's work together. Um, but what we want to do is we want to, find out a way to make it where it's a relationship, right? We don't just want to give out apparel and say, hey, wear this post for us. Um, I would really like to kind of do what you're doing in a sense. Talk, allow these athletes to share their stories, right? These division one athletes that are known around, you know, the sports world and get a real understanding of what it feels like to be a division one athlete, the good, bad, and the ugly, right? Um, and if we can cultivate a culture um, around these athletes and allow them to share their stories. Um, it's more than just a transaction, right? Um, it, it's a real relationship and it allows them to tell their story. It allows them to influence and, um, you know, give these kids that look up to them um, real perspective and understanding on who they are and it makes them human, right? I, th I think that's huge. You know, you look at a lot of these athletes that are big names that are always on TV and they're not even human, right? They're, they're, they're these just, um these these animals that um that a lot of people just look up to without actually knowing them um and i think that if these athletes are able to give a real understanding on, on who they are and these kids can see that um it creates a bond that um is, is a lot more um realistic um and i think that is, is good for both sides well, I think you bring something up that's really important that I didn't think about. Number one, it could set the stage for kids having unrealistic expectations, but it could also set the stage for, you know, I forget his name, but the, the Lonzo LaMelo ball father effect, you know, their dad yeah. out promoting them, reaching out to apparel brands like Ghost Fit saying, hey, what can you do for my kid? Um, man, I, I could see a big, big problem with that arising for the, uh, with the parents' involvement because you talked about these kids don't have agents. 
well, guess who could quickly become their agent? Mom and mom and dad, right? And so, yeah, it's I think, but on the flip side, Josh, you bring up a really awesome point. As a business like GhostFit, who will be interacting, why not use that as a platform to become a thought leader to teach these kids that, yes, this is an opportunity now, but you have to navigate it effectively. You have to have realistic expectations. You could actually use it at, as a platform for some real good, couldn't you? Definitely, definitely. And like I said, um, you know, I, I think one thing that is difficult is these players are so used to just playing football, right? So used to just working hard and, you know, being in front of media. And you you almost have to close out everything else. Um, but I think that it's important for these athletes as well to kind of have a voice and be honest with people, right? Like, this is what practices look like. This is the hard part of, um, you know, division one sports, you know, all we see are Sundays and Saturdays and Sundays, right. When they're on the field, they're playing, but there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I, I just think that it'd be really good for, you know, these athletes to kind of give a, you know, introspection on, you know, what they're going through. And, um, you know, I, I just see, I see good coming out of it. If, if these companies set them up for that sort of success. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, so before we close here, one, if somebody is listening in and wants to know more about Ghost Fit Apparel uh, or possibly your company that would love to, to reach out to you to work with you, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, through email, definitely. Our email is ghostfitapparel at gmail.com. Um, send an email anytime. You know, we're up working around the clock. So if you if you email us at 11:50 p.m. You know, you might get a response at midnight. <laughs> awesome, I love that. That the, the true life of an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> well, let's wrap up here with two questions, Josh. Number one, I want you to go back to your career leading up to you know right through playing at St. Thomas. For that young football player, heck, it could be any sport. You know, that's 15, 16 years old listening right now. What advice? Now that you're able to look back at your own journey, what advice would you give that kid? That's really good. Um, yeah, I, I, I look back at my career and I think when I started enjoying it is when I started enjoying practice. Um, I remember just talking to a high school coach about la about two weeks ago and he asked me the same question. And when I started enjoying practice, that's when the game started slowing down for me. That's when I became mentally apt to what I was doing. I became more coachable. I became more focused on my job and my duty. Um, everyone talks about practice like it's a bad thing. And it is. It, it, it can be if you aren't willing to put in that grind, that hustle. Um, so that would be the first thing. Start enjoying practice. Start figuring out what you didn't do well the day before and focus on that that next day right and compete with yourself compete with your teammates um and secondly become coachable right if i could if i could go back my high school career the beginning of my college career i would tell myself to understand what the coaches are trying to do right there's there's a lot of misconception um around coaching that all oh, these guys are mean these are this or that they want to. They want you to become the best athlete that you can possibly be. Um, and as long as you listen to them and you allow yourself to take criticism, um, but use it as fuel to get better, there's only one direction that you're going to go. Right. So um, I, I would say those two things are very important. Well, and I like that you said about enjoy the journey. 
right? Enjoy the practice because I think especially today with the exposure we talked about earlier, uh, it's easy for these kids to get pumped into these sports at some point. And at some point they don't even like them anymore. And it's because mom and dad is pushing it or whatever. When you can't enjoy that journey more, it's time to stop playing. And, and so I'm glad you brought that up. You have to enjoy every single day. Now, let me ask you a last question here, more on the professional side now. And I know this is all new to everybody. There's no experts on NIL and how, how it's going to impact college sports, but knowing that you are in a position right now as a company who will work with athletes, what advice would you give that parent right now? If you could give any advice who has a young athlete, male or female, that might be getting recruited at the highest level of division one, knowing this NIL, these NIL, NIL deals are going to be out there. What advice would you throw out at them? Yeah, I think it'd be the same advice that we have as a company. Um, make sure that it's the correct fit. Don't just take any deal. Understand your value as a player right? Um, because there's going to be a lot of people that try to leverage you or deleverage you. Um, and yeah, j j just understand that it's not about the money. It's not about what the deal actually is. It's about having the correct fit, right? Um, obviously, take advantage of it, right? It's there for a reason. Um, but know that every deal isn't a good deal. And I think that it's going to take experience. I think it's going to take, you know, good and bad deals to kind of understand this. Um, I would say reach out to other parents, other players that have, you know, gone through this experience just so you can kind of, you know, get more information on it. Um, but yeah, definitely right away, uh, especially with it being so new, I, I think that you really have to take it slow um, and understand deals are going to come in, um, but be very mindful of kind of what they represent. Yeah, and that's good advice because I think it unfortunately it might take one really bad deal to open people's eyes. Just don't be that that kid or that family that dealt with that one really bad deal, right? Well, Josh, I want to thank you uh, for your time today. This was phenomenal. This is exactly what I wanted to cover today. Uh, if you're listening in, whether you're a, a parent of a, of a young athlete or you are a young athlete, take what Josh just said to heart. Enjoy the journey. This NIL thing has changed the game, and you've got to be smart about it. And, and be realistic about your kids' level of ability and where they belong and where they should be playing. Because it's going to be easy to get in, in uh, incented with some of these opportunities, but you got to make sure it's the right opportunity for your kid, not for you. So, Josh, one more time, thank you again. Thanks a lot, Andy. I truly and, appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you're listening in, you know what happens when that confidence and that clarity collide. Massive action happens. Go make it happen today. Hey, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you're finding bullpen sessions to be valuable to your business and your life, do me a favor. Please go to Apple. Please subscribe. Give it a five-star rating. And if you have anybody else in your life, whether it's in your personal tribe or in your business that could also be impacted by listening to these episodes, do me a favor. Share the bullpen sessions with them. I'd be extremely grateful. And until next time, go out, make it happen today. Put a smile on your face and have some fun.